You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians network. Learn more at wearelibertarians.com. Episode number 137 on NPR. Just kidding. Bullshit. We're not on NPR. <laughs> <laughs> we are Essential Indiana's favorite podcast, though. This is episode number 137. I'm Jeremiah Morrill. I'm joined today by intern Mason Roddinghouse. Have I not grown out of that title yet? You're still at Purdue. I don't think we have to pay you until so you get out of school. I've got four more years until Yeah, you're going to be an intern for a very long time. It's going to suck. Until it's not a special, a very special episode of you showing up in the middle of the year. Uh, you're still going to be intern Mason. Uh, uh, we're going to have uh, my forever and always co-host Dakota Davis. Today's episode features Zach Bertram, the old neighbor of the old studio. <laughs> uh, we're going to be talking to him about a whole bunch of different things. First, we're going to cover all of the municipal elections that happened in Henry County on Tuesday, covering the Newcastle City Council race, the elections that happened in Knightstown and Kennard, and Kennard. then. Uh, Maybe maybe we'll say something about Middletown. I don't know yet. I almost put I don't know if results are in yet. It, they're in. Uh, but the real reason we asked Zach to come on is he is also a super fan of IndyCar and uh, the Indy 500. And we are going to be talking about the big news that uh, that Roger Penske has bought the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And then we are going to be talking about how Mason is a racist. Oh, so <laughs> make, sure, <laughs> make sure you stick around to the end okay. to hear what that's all about. This show is about our lives in rural Indiana. We're here to push your boundaries and make you think as individuals. Sometimes we'll provoke you. Other times we'll make you laugh. Hopefully you always learn something new. Uh, I'm very impressed that uh, intern Mason is has made it and he dressed in his uh, black and yellow. And uh wore a shirt. He's wearing he wore his Jeremiah Morrill's button. So yeah. that's uh, that's impressive. He's I'm a year late. That. You're late. I oh, honestly just found it. We don't on, know. I found it on the table. It was and laying around here. There's about six of them back there. Yeah. There's uh they don't say anything. They're not uh they just have the libertarian uh, chicken on a stick and uh my name. So they're good for anything. You right. never know. There's always opportunities for those. All right. Before we get into it, we need to thank the people who help support this show on Patreon. Those people uh, have signed up at patreon.com slash boss hog of liberty. Zach is one of those folks, and he's in our studio tonight. Heck yeah, um, he is. He bought his way on. No, actually, <laughs> his expertise is all we needed. Pay to play. Quit uh, <laughs> pro pro, baby. He's been investigating people for us. so it's I held the money back until they told me they were going to let me on, and I released it. <laughs> if you donate at a, at a super premium level, then... We promise to let everyone who listens to the show know that you are a tremendous person. Those people are Craig DaCosta from all the way in Hawaii, Jonathan Phillips, our favorite uh, car dealer in the entire world, and, of course, Christy Avery, the libertarian matriarch up in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Matriarch. You make her sound like she's near death. (laughs) No, she's, uh, you know, like the matriarch of of, uh, mob families, the woman who's secretly in charge. Haven't you ever seen The Godfather? Uh, we also have some T-Chip stores if you don't want to support the show monthly. 
You can find those at tchip.com slash bhol one, two, or three. I, did, I wore my black today, but I didn't wear my BHOL shirt on you account didn't. of the, uh, the subject matter at hand. And Zach also dressed appropriately. That's true. Yeah. Zach, have you bought a, have you bought a t-shirt yet? Not yet. You don't have to because you support us monthly, but, but maybe he wants <laughs> it. They make those hoodies are real good camping gear. For those late fall, uh, late fall camps. I, I was going to buy the cool. one that says like Jeremiah, Dakota, Chase, and I forget the last one. <laughs> Cade. <laughs> Cade. I didn't remember. I didn't know if it Cade was on it or not. But then I was like, it doesn't say intern Mason. And so I was like, and the font is wrong. I told, I gave him, I gave him the one from Adam Sandler <laughs> and the Dan Patrick show where it's Chase, Polly, Seton, and McLovin. And he totally screwed it up. He got, the, he got the case wrong. So it's. Yeah. I want it badly. Yeah, you if you watch the Adam Sandler some. special, you can see what it's supposed to look like, and then uh, and then there's what Dakota made. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so, uh, top of the show, we're going to talk Newcastle, uh, Newcastle City Council. There, we've been covering this. You guys have met a number of the candidates over the last couple of weeks. Um, Mike Guffey won. He was on uh, last week or two weeks ago, I guess it was uh, two, two weeks, weeks ago. ago. Mike, yeah, Mike Guffey right. was on. Mike Guffey was running. He against- got the boss hog bump. Yeah, he was running against Butch Ryan in uh, Ward Number One in the city of Newcastle. He won fifty-eight forty-two. It's true, a Republican winning a city, winning against a Democrat for a, a city council seat. That's uh, a big second, deal. Uh, second Republican elected to the uh, the city uh, city council. Newcastle has had one Democrat mayor in since the nineteen fifties. Republican. Uh, I'm sorry, one one Republican mayor since the 1950s. Uh, been Democrats ever since. It's an old UAW town, longtime UAW town. So a lot of that's still here. Um, so that was uh, that was an impressive win. Uh, obviously, uh, everybody on this show has uh, has significant interest in uh, in our boy producer Chris Guffey. Uh, came extremely close. I wouldn't say extremely. Fourteen, close. 14 four, votes go the other way. And it's, hey. uh, that's pretty close by anybody's standards. 9%. I needed 9%. We are very proud of, uh, of producer Chris. He did a great job. Um, if you guys want a little more detailed analysis, I encourage you to uh, join the Patreon at any level. And uh, we'll get you in the Facebook group. You can watch the video and you can certainly hear the, uh, hear the audio that will uh, we'll be in there. I'm yeah, getting Chris, chastised right now in the private chat because my wife says I should have fed the dog because I was home and uh, he got in the trash. So uh, that's on me. <laughs> Chris, Chris, you got, I had a typo in the show notes. You told me during the Patreon portion, you had 42% in your race. Yeah. If we round up, which we will here, I had 41.51% of the vote. So, so you, you, you round up to 42. That's what the news is doing. So that's what I'm doing. You're brand new to the race. This is your first time running. You're running mm-hmm. it against the guy with the very established name ID who yep. is a Democrat in this UAW town, and you still pull out 42%. That's a, that's a, a an incredible mark in my book. I think you did a great job. But Jerry Walden did win the race for City Council Ward 3 in Newcastle, Indiana, and uh, Jeff Hancock beat Libertarian Lisa Katrin for Ward 2 in the city of Newcastle couple other uh we obviously you guys tuned into this show and you know our affinity for the uh, libertarian party there were five wins in indiana this year uh they did win or the party did win a uh a city council race in tipton uh along with uh two races in wayne county and two in other areas as well uh so the lp did very well and uh andy cook the uh the mayor of westfield 
he had a fight. He won, but man, it was 60-40. Don Rainwater absolutely just punched five levels above the libertarian weight class in a in a mayor's race. Uh 60-40. Very impressive over there. He came in uh, hard. The people Shane, over there are looking for someone who's not going to just uh, tax them more and spend their money into oblivion. And uh, that was very apparent in his race. So big, uh, big progress for the Libertarian Party this year. I know uh, some years we've covered we've covered the LP candidates and uh, it's not been uh, not been as much big news. But man, five wins in Indiana is impressive. I know th- three mayors were elected just over the border in Ohio. Uh, which is a big deal for the Libertarian Party. So uh, lots and lots of uh, progress made. I know our national chair is uh, watching right now. Nick Sarwark's in the in the chat watching and uh, checking it out. Uh, big uh, big success there. And then uh, in one of the biggest uh, news stories in the country, just south of us, I spent my day in uh, in Kentucky. You guys uh, that are in the Patreon group, you saw my my public apology for not having show notes out at a reasonable time. Um, I spent the day in Louisville uh, doing my day job and talking to people, and everybody wanted to talk about Matt Bevin losing, uh, the Republican losing uh, to the Democrat, uh, Andy Bashir, And uh, that was a 5,000-vote margin in the entire state of Kentucky. The Libertarian candidate uh, had 22,000 votes, I believe, and the uh, BLP talked about the uh, how delicious the tears of the Republicans were. So uh, yeah, that's that a, theme continued. That was a, <laughs> a little a, salty. An earlier quote from Nick Sarwark who said, uh, your tears are delicious and your parties will die. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and there was some dialogue. I got in a little dialogue with Nick and the, uh, I think one of the lead, uh, I don't know if it's the chairman or one of the leads of the Kentucky Libertarian Party this week uh, saying, well, you know, the, the LP is a political party and they exist. You're not going to, you shouldn't expect them to not run candidates. Um, but the Libertarian Party statement in that race talked about, you know, maybe if you guys paid a little bit more attention to uh, criminal justice reform and and r- responsible spending and uh, cannabis reform, some of that stuff would have uh, wouldn't have been a problem, and we wouldn't run a candidate. And I said, well, in what world wouldn't you run a candidate? And I said, well, look, we're never going to run a candidate. We're never going to run a candidate against Thomas Thomas Massey. That's reasonable. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my favorite congressmen. So there's some lessons to be learned. You. Uh, you might have uh, might have won. Also, Bevan appears. I talked to everybody in Louisville today, literally to a man. Everybody I talked to about Matt Bevan, and they said, uh, yeah, he's so unlikable. It's not even funny. So I don't know if it's a canary in the coal mine for uh, for Trump or not. Uh, every statewide Republican won in Kentucky except for Matt Bevan, uh, which may tell you that uh, a whole lot of angry teachers well, and, so- uh, and, and a bad attitude will, uh, will get you in trouble. Well, something else you have to remember is that um- – also in well in Virginia that the Virginia turned blue as well, um, but Trump didn't bring the full weight of Trump down in Kentucky or Virginia. So you have to remember that Trump didn't make any appearances or anything like that. He did appear with Bevin at the did last. He? Yeah, he, he his, his administration was there in the last week. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, so maybe they knew that maybe they, were they need screwed. To, yeah, maybe they need to. Maybe that's why I was so close. Then is maybe he was going to get land railroaded and just. You got a bump towards the end, yeah. By the by, the Trump administration. Also, Knightstown had their uh, had their um, town council election. They had uh, a at large race going on right now, and they also um, a, they so they it's, a, it's do, a board with three at large seats. There were four people running. Correct, and uh, they didn't cancel their election. So, if you read the Courier Times, it'll tell you that people in Clerk Treasurer. We're not going to get into that because it was uncontested. Um, but Chuck Rhodes, Cheryl Hammer, 
Mitchell Rowland won the city won the town council at large seats in Knightstown, Indiana. Mitchell Rowland or beat, yeah, Mitchell Rowland beat Roger Hammer by two votes in that race. It was uh, 102 to 104. I will say Roger was one of the incumbents. He was the only one that showed up at the chamber forum last week. Yep. Um, any incumbent probably had some issues uh, with the yeah. with the um, way that the public relations side was handled with the police chief uh, being suspended with pay. Um, so any of the incumbents probably had a bit of an uphill battle. There was... Uh, Looking at that from the outside, I don't have specific information, but if you watch the PR battle and the way that was handled and the, the town council being unable to comment or being unwilling to comment publicly, um, any of the incumbents that were involved with that uh, had had a bit of an ankle weight. I just uh, thought it was the public side. extremely notable to say that it was two votes. Or if he had swung three votes, he would have won. Chris Guffey, if he would have swung 14 votes, then he would have won. Um, you know, that is, uh, I mean, if you had added 14 votes, you would have won. We should say changed 14 votes. Yeah, I had, would to have had, to add about 30, yeah. but yeah, I had yeah. if you had, 14. if you had changed 14, you, uh, but you hear all the time people say that they don't vote because it doesn't really matter. These votes prove, or these elections prove mm-hmm. your vote really does matter and yeah. you need to make an effort to get out there. 150 people voted for a seat that controls millions of dollars in, in budget. 159 people voted yep. in a race that controls the, the two comma club. Yep. And then if the, you guys uh, are Silicon Valley folks, you know, the three comma club, well, if you're a city councilman, you're in the two comma club, you control <laughs> a more than million dollar budget. And then Kennard, uh, Kennard had their clerk treasurer. That was a contested race over there. And, uh, Miss Susan, Susan Shelton won that race. And she is the new, uh, clerk treasurer elect in the town of Kennard in Indiana. And uh, we there's all kinds of interesting things that are going on in Middletown. We talked about it a little bit last week where they were holding their own election. Uh, and we've been trying to figure out what's been going on with that basically since Tuesday. Uh, having discussions with uh, citizens of Middletown, trying to... Uh, discuss if trying to just make sure that everything they did was like was perfectly kosher and it was all going to be okay and they didn't do anything that wasn't by the book with their election essentially because it was they had they did obviously didn't have a, a huge election turnout for this race either so it was a it's it's one of those things where it wasn't publicized very much. Nobody really knew that uh, Middletown was having an election. And I don't. Well, I don't know how you. That's don't the thing. have people notice if there's an election. Don't you see the yard signs? Well, unless no. everybody's selling their house in Middletown, surely to God, some of those people put middle, yard signs out in their yard, and you're like, hey, you know what? I know what election day normally is, and I see the yard signs, so maybe I ought to try to find a place to vote. Well, you know, not, I drive through that. Middletown often, and. There were a couple of yard signs that I remember seeing, but it wasn't like it was here. That's true. So. But there was also articles in the our media partner, the Courier Times. There's also art articles in the Middletown News. So, and this is this is another thing. Like as we di- we discussed in the Patreon side about the the voters not knowing <laughs> how how do you how do you educate them and get them to to actually know who's on the ballot and that they actually have a vote. And on top of that, I mean, you, the we old, talked, the we old talked saying, about their election on our show last week. So, uh, look, if you didn't listen to Boss Hog, 
I can't be held responsible for your inaction. Well, and, and the thing is, is the old saying, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him to drink. I mean, you can at least get curious if you're watching TV or listening to the radio. You know that Indianapolis has a mayor's race. You might be. That was, hey, yeah. that was all over media. And you might now, think, hey, in their defense, maybe though, there's some local stuff going on. If here. you jump on Indiana voters and you were a Middletown resident, because I saw that they had published in the Courier Times the bios for the candidates that were running in Middletown because they answered the candidate surveys. I jumped on Indiana voters and I tried to pull a Fall Creek Township ballot and I looked at every single precinct inside and outside of the Shenandoah school district. And there was nothing on Indiana voters listed. That's true. So if you were a voter that cared, I was a guy that was trying to cover as a media partner, a media, a media member in this silly little role that we have on boss hog. I tried to do the research. I went to Indiana voters.com and because the town election board instead of the county election board handled that, it did not make the state website. So if you were a concerned citizen, if you were an interested citizen and you checked the place where you always check, it wasn't listed. So you think, okay, well, maybe it's like Newcastle and they canceled the election because there were three spots and three people ran. I, I can see how that happens. I do understand that. But if you saw the signs out, yeah, that makes sense. And then we heard from Paul Ward, who's uh, who's been uh, in my ear this week. Um, Paul's like, hey, look, I showed up at the church I normally vote at, and there was nothing happening. So I didn't vote there. Turns out, the town, if you go gone to the town website, they listed that there were four candidates, and they voted at the town hall. I uh, To the letter of the law and to the, to the rules that are required, the state of Indiana allows towns to have elections, the towns to have election boards. Um, they probably advertised once in the paper as is required. I'm guessing they didn't go above and beyond and really push the issue hard. Uh, but they did hold an election and they reported the results and people voted. Some people knew. Um, is it the way I would have handled it? No. Uh, is it, it, I also question well, and something else some is- of the candidates, did the candidates go door to door and were people riddled with literature? Did these guys all get to people's doors? I don't know. Zach, you didn't have an election in your, no. where you lived. Chris, I don't know if you saw other people's materials at your house. Your race and Walden's. Yeah, I saw nothing. The only, the only thing that I saw was I saw mine and then I saw in Ward 1 where my street and Ward, Ward 3 and Ward 1 kind of split the road. I did see uh, Ward 1 candidates out walking, actually. We bumped into him, so. So I would say for those say people you, in, in Middletown that are concerned. You saw your own literature at your door? No, I didn't see my <laughs> literature. <laughs> <laughs> he has people. His people left things in his neighborhood. Um, it's true. <laughs> Kevin Potter and I walked your neighborhood. Yep. Um, I thought I found your house, but and I left a little thing out front. But there there were no yours. signs around Newcastle like for me running around town to know that there was There was something going on, right? Even... You know, I didn't have a race in my area, um, but like uh, Mr. Coger that was on here last last week, I think he, he's my council. He had a sign for one of his fellow council people in his front yard. I think it was his yard. So you saw signs around because even if you don't have a race in your area, you might if you have a friend or family member, you throw a sign in your front. Yard I sometimes. put I put almost forty five to fifty signs out. And my wife works at the Y. I go down to the Y, and there was one of your signs was right there at the top of New York. Yep, coming down to the Y. So, so I mean, there was uh, there was definitely information that there was an election going on uh, for for most people. Um, what I would challenge people to do that are really concerned and that are upset, um, 
Middletown has a town council and they would have appointed a town election board. Which nobody knows that, who the, who's on the election board. That town election board should legally have minutes. They should have min- published dates and times of when they meet. Uh, all of that information should be available. Uh, people should be able to pull that and see uh, see who's on the board, see what actions they've taken, uh, ask for information on the election, and uh, find out when they're meeting next. And if people are not happy with the way it went down, go to that board. Tell them. Um, I, everybody in this room, with the exception of probably Mason, has shown up at some public meetings in the past. You know how it can be done. Just regular people can show up and ask questions and uh, and make it happen. It's true. I will yeah. say some breaking news. I don't know if you guys knew, but the Calpine, the wind. The Board of Zoning Appeals. Yes, a 4-0. Shut them down. Is wind dead? Wind is dead. Wind is dead. You're hearing it live right here at the Ball Talk. <laughs> I heard that like a year ago and nobody believed it. So why should I believe you now? Because I'm not you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That uh, That's election coverage for now. Let's uh, let's talk about what's really, really important, uh-huh. Zach. I'm going to push my mic away. <laughs> Mason, this affects you. Mason, You're, Mason. Let's, you, you've been let's, a guest. Let's Chris, go to we're B-dubs. Going to B-dubs. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we out. You guys later. <laughs> yeah, we're out. Let's go to B-dubs. Dakota's been doodling for five minutes. Like he's, he's out. <laughs> we knew it was coming. All right, Dakota, walk us through this. Winter what, what, is coming. What do you know? <laughs> I know that one old guy bought a circle of asphalt from another old guy. Hold on. The best kept circle of asphalt <laughs> in all of Indiana. It's True. part brick. I know that. There's some no, brick, there's under brick there. underneath it. Come on. Even I there's know a, that. There's like a little, like, the, the oh, bricks. Yeah. Well, the finish. The brickyard. The finish line. The brick. There's a yard over, I know over they drink thousand, milk there, right? Over a thousand acres of prime real estate in Indianapolis. I heard um, the national anthem and the flyby. <laughs> the flyby, everybody missed that. Then I was gone. You got to see the coolest flyby I think that it's ever been done. You couldn't sleep during it because I was yeah. pretty close. Sure was. And then we walked down about <laughs> two laps after the race started and me and Mason are asleep in the Tahoe. <laughs> and it was nice. It was like 50 laps. I didn't want to feel that bad. We went, got about through 50 and walked to the Tahoe. You had prime turn four seats. I'm not going to lie. They were nice. Seats, but <laughs> You could see right down the main strip, everything happening. And then I was just like, I was like, those and then Sarah, not Sarah, not Sarah, uh, Libby. Liz, Libby, Libby, she'd go, did you see that? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah. Race car. Saw it. Yeah. It was, uh, it was, it was one of the red ones, right? I, was, I did see the number on it. said target team Penske. And that is like, that's one thing that, seemed amazing at the race flybys always yeah good and they fly, they usually come over my head where my seats are that flyover was amazing straight gonna, up in the air they're gonna have a hard time topping that one in the future okay so that was uh, that was from race day roger penske did a lot more than just buy the indianapolis motor speedway he bought the indianapolis motor speedway he bought the indianapolis 500 he bought indianapolis uh or, or the uh what's the name of the, the television partner um, IMS Productions. IMS Productions, and he purchased the entire NTT IndyCar series. So every bit of it is now controlled by Penske Entertainment, which is owned by Penske Corp., which is privately held by the captain, Roger Penske. How much money do you think he paid for that, Dakota? 
I don't know. I read that it was an undisclosed amount. They weren't going to give out the number. Yeah, we'll, we'll never find yeah, out. You'll never know. Too much. Somebody said it will think- eventually come out, but they don't. Do Nobody knows think- how many tickets the track sells because it's a private entity and they don't want you to know. And so I mean, they kept that under wraps enough that I listened to enough news sources of people that are kind of plugged into things. And everybody kind of knows Robert Miller. He'd heard sniffs of it Friday and it dropped Sunday night. I think people started to know on Monday they made the official announcement, but they worked that deal over six weeks without anybody finding out that okay. that was what was going to happen. Extremely quiet. I know I'm, I'm, I sound like I'm lying here, but I did read an article about this whole situation. Huh? And it was a expert Mason. It was, they were saying like they did it all behind the scenes and there's nobody better to buy it than Roger Penske. He said, what made me say that is because he said how much money it brings to speedway, not Indianapolis. I'm like, I could care less. So yeah, that was, that was what was interesting about it being sold was the, uh, what was the guy, the Holman and company guy, Tony George is George. the uh, the, the yeah. top guy, the Holman George family. He said that he said in the article that I read that it, he approached Roger Penske at the last race of the yeah. year. I like to have, and and said, I hope somebody's scouring their pictures for that looking last for race, them talking to see if they happen to have a picture of his reaction because he reportedly walked up to him and I, he was he said I didn't want to bug him. It was before the race, and he had a couple of drivers in the championship race. He said I want to talk to you about stewardship, and just walked away. And he he said that Pinsky like kind of looked at him like what and knew I think he knew exactly what he was talking about. So, I mean, I, that's got to be the biggest day in Roger Penske's life. Just about you win the championship in IndyCar at the Laguna Seca. You had a real good year, and then Here. you won more than half the races. You won the five hundred. You, you won, won the, the Grand Prix. You won, the you, won the, you won everything in Indy. And then Tony George comes to you and says, "Hey, do you want to buy the Speedway?" That's big. So he said uh, there, there Tony have been rumors George, for years yeah. about well, it he selling. He said that in the springtime they got an offer on the Speedway and they turned it down. So the Speedway has been in the Holman family or the Holman George family since 1944. It was 74 years, so maybe 1945. That there were four five. years during World War II where there was no race held. There were two years in World War One and four years in World War II when there was no race held. Um, the Speedway had fallen into incredible disrepair. Um, Wilbur Shaw connected uh, the Holman family uh, in Terre Haute with the uh, with the track. It was purchased and uh, and they took it over. Had a race that first year. And have continued ever since, and nobody ever expected the family to uh, to sell it. Uh, but what kind of happened is after Tony Holman died, his his daughter took over, and then it split. There were four kids, and the the daughter passed away last year, and uh, it kind of it kind of got to the point where I don't know that they all had a true passion for the track and had the financial wherewithal to push it forward. I mean, you'd kind of heard uh, rumors in the past. Tony, Tony's really involved. Um, and that he had, they've made a lot of improvements to the track in that time frame. And since, uh, especially Tony around was, 98, 99, Tony, yeah, Tony was in charge when, when NASCAR money was big, big, big. And there was a kind of a rumor at one point that they stopped putting money into the track because the sisters had said, stop spending money on the track. Stop supporting it. Yeah. Stop supporting they, the series. There was rumor. I think that they, had pumped like a hundred million dollars into the IRL to keep it afloat uh, for a couple of years there. And they said, stop. And so they kind of slowed down on 
improvements into the track. But you knew Tony's been a race team owner the entire time and is real invested into the series. So, so, the, so with, with the track selling, you look at who purchased it and who could have possibly purchased it. And everybody, you know, I, I think my Facebook status, the morning it happened was like head sewn to the carpet shocked, like, Oh my God, what, what just happened? But then you take a set, take a break and you say, okay, if somebody's going to buy the speedway, this could have been a, a Bill Gates. This could have been a Steve Bomber. I think Jim Irsay should have bought it. It could have been a Jim Irsay. It could be somebody that owns, you know, it could have been Stephen Ross, somebody that owns major, it could have been Donald Trump. It could have been people <laughs> that own massive properties and sports teams, or it could have been a GE or Disney or a major conglomerate that wants an entertainment facility, but it was purchased by a racer, Zach. Yeah. And there's, there were two names that I mentioned. I said, there, there are two people in the IndyCar family, in the circle, that could do this. And it probably landed with the right one. Yeah, I would, I would agree. The other one would probably be in John Minardi. I think the other fear would have been that would have been, um, if people are familiar, just NASCAR. NASCAR has gotten into the business of owning all their own tracks, too. And if it just got rolled into that, then you're worried about IndyCar's future as opposed to Penske, who is uh, diehard, yeah. and, and he loves the Indy 500. So, so if you look at Roger Penske's background... And you look at, he owns, you know, he owns, I think that company that the media reports like $22 billion a year in revenue for Penske Corp uh, across all of his, across Ilmore, across Penske truck leasing, across the, the automotive vehicle empire. I mean, it's just he has 64,000 employees. And wow. I guess I, one statistic I heard was that he is the number one seller of luxury automobiles in the United States. I was going to say 230 million. So yeah, it's, it's massive. <laughs> so for Roger Penske, you know, he's got all of these business interests across the country. He lives in Detroit and you look at him and if there's an IndyCar race, he is sitting on the pit box for the last, since 1976, 1972, I, I guess Penske, I don't know, 1969, he came, came to the speedway as a semi-participant. He came the first time he said in 1951, but he, his time and his effort, he's sitting on the pit box as a strategist monitoring those race teams at Indianapolis. Even if there's a NASCAR race that has 10 times the purse and his guys, you know, Logano and Keselowski are winning races on the regular there, he's at the IndyCar races. You know that's where his heart is at. So when he's presented with the opportunity, it was just how do we get it done, uh, which is very good news i think for the future of the indycar series you said he lives in detroit lives in detroit do you yeah. think he moves to indiana no after absolutely not he i heard an interview with him and they asked him that he said eh, i can fly down in a couple hours him, I mean, his, his it, race teams are based out of charlotte yeah. and that's a huge operation i think he has like it's five or six hundred people work for the race team in charlotte and he has tim Sendrix's right hand man that runs all that operation so i think he'll he'll probably end up with a place down here but i don't think he he doesn't he, doesn't spend that much time. Detroit, home. though. Yeah, yeah. I've always thought that was strange too. As big as his operations are, but I think he runs. He has kind of a, yeah, I mean, a national he owned, empire. He so. owned Detroit Diesel. He's in the automotive industry. He's in racing. It makes sense, right? That is his uh, automotive industry. He did, Detroit's very GM. close to his heart, right? He's he's been the promoter of the uh, of the the uh, Belle Isle Grand Prix. For a very long time, when the Super Bowl was played in Detroit, he was the chairman of the Super Bowl host committee. 
Uh, he's owned racetracks in the past. He owned the Michigan International Speedway from the 70s through the 90s when he sold it to ISC. Um, he's owned Nazareth Speedway. He's owned a number of racetracks as well. Um, his son, Greg, um, was in charge of the racetracks. So I think people are kind of expecting him to probably fold into the Penske Entertainment He did say that role. he didn't plan on making any changes with the management structure or anything that is already existing at the Speedway. Uh, that's the, that's my... If he keeps that's your if, concern, right? Yeah, your your if, best friend, your boy Doug. Doug Bowles, because Doug Bowles is amazing, and I thought it was really encouraging that the day after the announcement, Tuesday morning, he was eating breakfast at Charlie Brown. Charlie Brown's with uh, with Doug and Mark Miles. Mark Miles, and the, he said, you know, they said um, same tradition, new crew, and it was just him tacked on there. So if he keeps those guys, and they're doing a great job, and it sounds like he's keeping Tony George around too. He even acted like he might give him an, the ability to to buy interest into the back into the track. Um, which just sounds great, and then give him a spot on the board because you know he was choking up at the announcement at the press conference. So he doesn't. I don't think he really wants to get out. But I doubt he has the money to buy his sisters out of the business. So I think he's got all the good. He's got great intentions for the place, and he he wants to see it stand for another hundred years. So so all of this is great news. But Roger Penske was born in the 1930s. Mason, 82 years old. Whoa. Really? So he's yeah. going to give it to me when he dies. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the thing that people are like, well, how long, you know, I, but you he, already he, said that his son kind yes. of, he's already super involved with the racetrack. So it just makes sense that his son would uh, continue and take over the business venture. And maybe that was part of the plan. Speedway. His other son's into, has be. been into racing. I think he's Jay Penske has owned like race teams in the past now, and he's, he's into the, he's in the media world. So, the family is definitely involved in the future. Uh, the race team itself, uh, Tim Sendrick, who's uh, an Indiana native, he was uh, he grew up with our governor. Uh, they were childhood pals. Uh, Eric Holcomb and Tim Sendrick grew up in the Terre Haute area Eric together. My uncle um, Penske is in good hands in the future, no matter what. Um, and if you listen to the interviews, Roger Penske is sharper than anybody sitting at this table, right? The guy is the guy is ready to go. Um, could live another twenty years. Could be at the helm for another twenty years. You just don't know. One hundred and two years old, managing a twenty. P. McAllister was one hundred and one years old and was doing just fine in Indianapolis until he passed away last. Robin week. Miller joked with him. I bet he wasn't joking. That he's gone like three hundred twenty days a year, and he's constantly traveling. And when he told his wife, "Hey, I might." be able to buy the track. She's like, well, that's another opportunity. <laughs> and, and like, that's just the way they see it as an opportunity. And that's the good thing is he, he doesn't, even his race teams make money. He doesn't throw money at anything just to throw money at it. So whatever he does will make good business sense for the track in the long term. So hey, they say you stop, you die. As he long as stopped, as long as Penske lets me keep camping for the Grand Prix, uh, I'm, I'm all in. Yeah. As long as yeah. I'm ready. And, and people are real concerned about coolers. <laughs> yes. Yes. The morning of. So it, we Mason, still you take remember, our coolers. You remember oh, being damn. able to bring in your, bring in our coolers and yeah. whatever we wanted to. We had the damn thing strapped all over and about <laughs> six of them. So yeah. The lawless nature of, uh, of the speedway. As we didn't have like a train attached to the back, just pulling them in. And honestly, you know, Doug you Bowles has commented my, on that in the past. my adventure trailer that I built last year. That'd I don't know nice. if they'll let me bring a trip. <laughs> it's to anarchy. Drive in. I'm waiting for somebody just to drive in a reefer truck. 
<laughs> yeah. Like, what do you need? What do you need any of this other space for? Just strap two chairs to the back. Has anybody ever driven in an old Winnebago or something? Uh, back in the day, yes. I don't know if they do. I don't See, know if I feel like anymore. that would be the way to go. Back, you're not allowed to build your own scaffolding anymore, but yeah. if you look at pictures from the 70s, Dakota, it I have is incredible. Seen those pictures. You showed them to me. Yeah. That, that it, one time you bought flawless. tickets and we're going to come. It was, yeah. I, I and like the, an old school, like 78 Winnebago that's been like, Kept in good condition on the inside. Don't would be don't bring amazing. your good condition Winnebago to the infield. It would you, be absolutely amazing. You need to go. To, you need to go to Eldora and see. There's campers with beer taps on the outside of them there. Oh really? Yeah I, don't, yeah. I don't know if they would let you in the infield now, especially with security the way it is. They, they might have to check it over. But the issue more would be getting it through a, the right tunnels because some of the tunnels aren't as tall as the other tunnels. Ooh, so yeah, might lose your air conditioner. <laughs> Could I take my bucket truck and then I would have great seats. <laughs> there are people. I want to see it. If nothing else, I want to see how the yellow shirts get you down. You, you I'm just, forty feet in the air. You might, worst, Come down from there. Worst case scenario, all you have is whistles going at you the entire yeah. time. They're really freaking out. You can't get me. We've had. Oh my god, there's so many stories. Two years ago, three years ago, Danny and I got to the infield, and we were trying to. We drove his truck and my truck parked next to each other, and they were being very. <clears throat> difficult to negotiate with about how we were parking. We wanted to park side by side and they wanted us to park nose to tail and we weren't having any part of it. The, uh, there was a yellow shirt in a golf cart, golf cart who actually drove into Danny's truck. It was, it was quite the experience. Got, a little shouting match. Got happened. An aggressive yellow shirt. And then the yellow shirt came back by and apologized later and explained all of the problems in his life. Sorry, that just made sorry. me think of the scene from elf where he's like, you, you You're an angry be, elf. You must be a South Pole angry, uh, yellow shirt. <laughs> Doug wouldn't approve of a golf cart hitting a customer's car. <laughs> it was it was quite the deal. I've I'm so calling Doug. <laughs> I said I will tweet him right now. Um, now, as I look at uh, the resume that uh, Dakota has put together for Mr. Penske, uh, he says that Penske uh, Zach has won 18 IndyCar races since 1969. Impressive, he won nine this year. Yeah, I don't know. He was really loafing. He was really loafing those other thirty, actually forty years. Eighteen Indianapolis five hundred since nineteen. Indianapolis five hundreds, IndyCar. It was. Hey, I wrote this. So is eighteen Indy five hundred? One eighteen Indy five hundred. Eighteen Indy five hundred. There's a picture. Yeah, it was one of. It was a picture you saw all over the place when you bought the track, and it was him, and it's just I saw Borgs, all the all the Borgs lined up, and yeah, he kind of, but he yeah, his team won nine races this year. More than half the races. Yeah, people were kind of worried about whether or not he would be fair running the series. And uh, I, was, Marshall, I was Marshall question number one, by yeah, the way. Yeah, the you got, you got on there. Jeremiah Morrell uh, gets in there every week, and somebody pointed out quickly that he he won more than half the races, swept the month of May, and won the championship without owning the series. I don't know why he needs to cheat <laughs> to, to win anymore. Um. All right, so uh, Dakota, it's eighteen Indy five hundreds. Can you name all of the winners for Team Penske? I'll wait. No. Can you name any of the winners for Team Penske? I'll wait. Hey, no. the guy from last year. I Isn't he Penske? Yeah. I got to think of his Ferdinand. Fernando. Pazano. <laughs> no, Fernando. <laughs> Fernando missed the race. Zach, how many can you name of the Team Penske oh, winners? I don't even know if I could name that many because I am not. I didn't pick up the old history as well as you did, but Will Powers won. That's one. Um, Rick Mears. That's two. Allinger Jr. Three. Uh, Emerson Fittipaldi. Four. Uh, Oh, who won this year? Simon Pagano. Simon Pagano. Five. Um, Gilles Deferrin. Six. 
uh, Juan Pablo Montoya. Seven. That's like some name off Breaking Bad. Juan Pablo Montoya. <laughs> yeah. He you know is for you know, you know what? Columbia. He's about that dangerous if you're on the track with him, too. Um, We're at seven. Have you said any answers yet? You said one answer. Oh, yes, yeah, so a big owl. All right, that's, that's eight. Bobby won one for him? Sure, he did. Bobby that's nine. One for everybody. <laughs> Have you said Danny Sullivan yet? No, not Danny Sullivan. No, have you yet. said. Hey, uh, I just wanted to say this. I, April Burcham. I don't think April's a friend a, request. <laughs> She's that's uh yeah he knows her pretty well uh, I know I just wanted to <laughs> thanks April we're friends now have you said Sam Hornish yet no I no so that's Sam like eleven Hornish. drivers uh, did you say Mark Donahue no see that's the that gets into the history that I have, I have I have to study up on that's twelve did you ever say Rick Mears yeah he did I, I heard Rick that Mayer. one yeah, it was Rick, like his third yeah all right Rick Rick was real good for him I think there. We pretty well have it covered yeah that, there's four and Elio he didn't name Elio Elio you son of a oh, bitch I forget about Elio Castro do you think Roger Pinsky could name all of them. Yes. Yes. He has all the cars too, probably. Keeps yeah. In, in his he, garage. Has his own, he has his own museum. In his basement. Probably. The very first Indy 500 I attended, uh, and this is kind of big news. Uh, Roger said he's not going to be on the pit box anymore. Yeah. He did. So he, he, he has he bigger is things done. to do. He's going to follow Robert Miller around. The very first Indy 500 <laughs> I attended um, was 2003. I sat in the second row behind Dan Weldon's pit on pit road. So I had a great view of everybody on pit road. I had really terrible seats to actually see the track, but I had great seats to see the people, to see the crews, to see the service, and to see the faces of the people on pit lane because I was right there at the start-finish line. So Gilles DeFerrin beat, I guess it was Elio. Elio Elio finished 1-1, and then he finished second. So his first three years, he finished first, first, and second at the Indy 500. And I watched Roger probably at 70 years old, 68 years old, with childhood joy running down the straightaway, having his cars finish 1-2 and winning his third Indy 500 in a row since coming back to the Speedway. Um, that, was one of my, that was my very first race I attended and saw the, the, saw the joy in Roger's face. So that was cool. You need to go to a race sometime just to, just to go walk down through all the garages and save his garage for last. And then you'll understand. You'll see the Penske there's a, there's perfect. There's a term. Way. Yeah, Penske perfect is a thing. And he started it back. His first race he ever attended was in 51. He talks about his dad took him there. And he just was enamored immediately. But when he came, they would sweep the floors every night. They would put everything up. They would have their shirts tucked in. They would have everything. And he's like, because if you take care of the little details, then the big details take care of themselves. So he has like a whole that. philosophy. Love that philosophy. And then. He wanted to impress his sponsors. He, yeah. he thought his sponsors deserved that. And other teams would notice that. They're like, well, how are we going to get this guy to sign? Because that was back in the day where you might sign your sponsor during the month of May. You might just show up, you run for a couple of weeks, and you make a handshake deal with the guy. And they're like, we can't get deals made because why would they make a deal with us? Our engine's torn apart and covered in oil in the back of the shop, and Pinsky shop looks like it's a museum piece. So it was a... Uh, it's a different way of operating. You can tell when you walk by his garage. One of his garage stalls is just an air conditioner that pumps cold air into the other garage stall. So he, he air conditions <laughs> it himself. Hmm. Um, yeah. So that was uh, that was really uh, really a neat uh, neat way to get it. Started. I woke up dumbfounded. I literally woke <laughs> up dumbfounded. Immediately kind of nervous. So before we change. we move on to talking about Mason being racist. Yes. The you should last, really work on that, Mason. Yeah. The last point on this is, huh. do you guys think that it's going to change anything? Only for the, the good. Way? I think there'll be significant changes. He has an incredible business pull. Like, 
they even mentioned Mark Miles mentioned Mark Miles is a guy who's got used to head up tennis association. He headed up the Super Bowl committee for here in Indiana. He's got a lot of people. He says there's people that won't answer for us. They'll answer for Roger Pinsky. And like currently they have a race in Detroit and it's a doubleheader. Why? Because he wants it to be Chevy sponsors it. Why? Because Roger Pinsky says you need to sponsor this race. He builds their engines. He's also his integrity is unquestioned. People immediately jumped in like, well, can we trust him? Uh, he currently runs a Honda, basically an Acura race team in sports cars. The Cadillac of Hondas. The Cadillac of Hondas. He runs their factory sports car program. He builds Chevy's engines for IndyCar, and he runs Fords in NASCAR and in V8 supercars in Australia. So he's literally got deals with all the major, main, like every major All of the racing manufacturers, and he sells for even more said, yeah, and in so, the dealership side. And so they all, if, if they trust him with millions of dollars to develop things and build things for him, then why wouldn't anybody else? Like he knows how to keep things separated and keep things fair. And he's been around. Everybody knows he's, he just, even I, just him owning the series brings legit, a more legitimacy to the series because he's a business guy first. That's how he got to where he is. He's also, he was also a fantastic race car driver. He started two Formula One races as a driver in his career. He ran at Riverside in stock cars. He had turned down a test at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway to focus on his car dealerships, a test that went to Mario Andretti, guy that kind of turned into something. Uh, he was a hell of a race car driver himself, too. Uh, just a phenomenal, phenomenal. Some individual. of the plans I've already heard he mentioned, he wants to make it a, an event space, so maybe they'll get more semi-permanent stage in there. Um, he just kind of was floating ideas, endurance racing and stuff. He wants to get some more races there, and I'm all for that. Give me an excuse. I mean, there's a fan base that'll show up to that track, whatever. They could have, you know, dachshund racing, and I'll show up <laughs> there if it means a day at the track. So, <laughs> But I think he'll, yeah, there's nothing. If he has a good idea, it'll make business sense. He'll have people that are supporting it, and it'll be it'll go well. Commercially, I would expect the series to be able to attract more sponsors and trend in the right direction. And if you look at the track record of people that work for Mr. Penske, they don't leave. He finds people, he lets them do their job, they do it well, and they, they stay for decades. People don't leave Team Penske. They don't leave his, his, his business. They stay and they're there for a very long time. You're like Rick Mears. You win four Indy 500 for him and then you spend the next 20 years working for the man. Uh, just really impressive. So that's the IMS thing. Mason? <laughs> Shame. <laughs> you all look at me. Shame. Boiler up, baby. I was, uh, I was just minding my own business, reading the news. Next thing I know, <clears throat> Lafayette, Indiana, a three-letter pharmacy that you're very closely aligned with at times, uh, <laughs> is in the news for one of your cohorts, a brother at arms at Boiler Up U, has been turned away from being able to buy, I assume, his Sudafed? Mucinex. It was Mucinex. His Mucinex. Yeah. Because he didn't have proper identification. Here's what, here's what happened. A student up at Purdue University, a young Puerto Rican man, he has a cold. He's got a horrible cold, but hey, he's a dedicated student to his learning. He walks into CVS and he says, I need to buy some Mucinex. Apparently, you have to go to the pharmacy counter at the Lafayette CVS. Mason is behind the counter. And says, no, no, no. And says, no, I'm not. Do I, I, and says, I need to see your ID. Man and he gives said, him, I can only sell to Americans. He's, the man gives his ID to Mason. 
It's a Puerto Rican ID because he's from Puerto Rico. As uh, Wall, says, Wall co-host, you damn James, illegal. Bill the Wall says, "A Puerto Rican is just a parallel Mexican. You're not an American." Is that what you? That's what happened. Except it wasn't Mason. It was Say, some it white lady. Wasn't it was some me. <laughs> um, so, um, it was okay. some Becky, some Karen. Yeah, it was probably Karen. Probably Boomer. She was. Uh, <laughs> um, she started heckling him. She asked him. She said, "I can't accept your Puerto Rican ID. I need to see your visa." So and he really, said, "He said I'm an American. This I is was a, born in this country. So I I'm, spend dollars and watch MTV, bitch. What do you want from I me? I pay taxes just like you do." And she said, "Trump's my president." She said, "Nobody's happy about it." She started asking him about the immigration process and if he was an illegal. And he kept saying, "I am an American." Puerto Rico is an American territory. She didn't believe him. This lady was an idiot. How so did she make it behind it, that pharmacy counter? Well, my we question is, it depends on which Mucinex. You have to be 18 <laughs> by both. Oh, oh you have to be an American to buy all, certain Mucinex. Um, at our pharmacy, I imagine it's the same for all the CVSs. We only keep a certain Mucinex behind. The good Mucinex. The good Mucinex with the decongestant, I believe. Mm. Um I've had to get behind, it from the, behind counter. the counter at a pharmacy. Yeah. But there's also Mucinex out on the floor that I believe you still have to be 18. Right over the counter. Yeah, but it, it's still behind the pharmacy over the counter. It's just we keep it back there. Hmm. You know? um, so what do you know they, about this, um, this pseudephedrine that is apparently the UK type? There's a, there's a different type of pseudephed. I don't keep up on it. In um, the UK and a different type in America. And the UK type is apparently like the the good kind. It's the kind that we can't get here anymore because of all the meth people. You and, can. <laughs> we can't have nice things here. Yeah, we can't get and, good mucinex. Well, and, but listen, the this, there was a there was a, the picture. Um, I don't. Whenever candidate Trump had, he was he's sitting behind his desk in Trump Tower, and he says, "I love Hispanics," and he had the taco bowl in front of him. Remember that picture? <laughs> yes. Somebody they they zoomed in on the picture. And he has a desk drawer open, and you can see the UK type of Sudafed in his drawer. And he had more than what was the legal amount. So that was interesting. It's legal to stock up on Sudafed. Yeah, you from the UK. Crime. You can't buy. We you can't can only buy so much at one day. time, but can you, you don't have to use it. Kind? Dude. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> so I want to know, as a, as a student on that campus... In the pharmacy program, was there a little bit of talk about that this week? Was uh, it? Uh, I really was didn't it, hear anything? There it, was you a guys protest. Didn't joke about it. Well, there was a protest outside of that CVS, which I went to that <laughs> CVS a couple of weeks ago. There was a protest out. There were like twelve. I, you guys did like dedicated 20, day of class to geography. Twenty five. Twenty five. <laughs> pharmacists. Pharmacists learned about the territories. Guam, American. Puerto Rico, American. Virgin but Islands, American. It's weird because the pharmacy in that, like you think with so many people on that campus, and that's the closest pharmacy other than the student ran pharmacy in the pharmacy building, that your pharmacy would be huge. Like Newcastle CVS pharmacy is big. Like there's a lot of space in there. Their pharmacy is no bigger than this studio. Than Boss Hog Corporate? The, yeah, it's not big at all, and I went in there. Um, Interception Raiders. And there's only like three people working there. So you can kind of really narrow it down because you know a pharmacist probably should be smart enough to know that. <laughs> Who's the white lady? Was there 
<laughs> well, I That's don't the really one that know. did it. And I feel but, sorry for the guy. I'm, I've had to buy Mucinex, and I feel nervous enough just getting Mucinex because they here's where's your driver's license, and they scan it. And I'm like, oh great, they're gonna think I'm the next Walter White, and they're gonna come yeah, after tracking me. You. And I'm yeah. like, I just want to breathe. Like that's all you want to do is breathe. But I get the nasal spray. The nasal spray always works. I, well for I me. buy the straight up Sudafed. Um, yeah, me too. I straight up. I don't. I don't want Mucinex. I just get the real the real deal Sudafed. I work in Muncie, and uh, there's only one CVS in the entire town. That oh you can my actually god! Buy you're... Yeah, you can't uh, Tillotson. Actually, Tillotson they made you go to Tillotson. Like you can't buy it at the other ones. No, I went to the one on the south side by my office. That makes they're, sense. And they're like, that makes no, sense. hell no, <laughs> you ain't buying that good stuff here. You got to go to Tillotson by the campus. What was it? A couple years ago, there was a meth lab in the south side Walmart. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, it yeah. wasn't a meth lab. It was a just a two liter bottle. It was the shaking. It was the shaking. Yeah, bag. yeah shake it wasn't. It wasn't in the bathroom. Real. In the bathroom, they were yeah. like, they were like, ah, uh, our other place burned down. Where can we go? <laughs> Walmart. Walmart. <laughs> They'll never look here. Hide right under their noses. What's that smell? <laughs> um, but yeah, Sarah, my my lovely bride, is in the chat saying Rushville. She tried to buy it in Rushville, and if you have an out of county driver's license, Rushville CVS pharmacist. I want to say, is it winning? No. Kroger. He's, he's at Kroger. the Rushville Kroger. He's the Rushville. Kroger okay, pharmacist. I knew he yes. went over to Rushville. I just want yes. I want to know the type of person. That gets an ID from Puerto Rico and immediately starts. Well, going, here's the thing. Where's your visa? I'll huh? tell you what. Listen here, punk. I don't. You want know. cold medicine? Nuh-uh. I that think it medicine? was even a secure ID. Yeah. I think it yeah. had yeah, the I think star. It was, it was a secure. Yeah. Not with that driver's license. You won't. <laughs> that person was working in. I mean, I'm not saying like not everybody can work in a pharmacy. You know, like. But, it seems like it. I've but met this racist. I've met a few people here. that you think, how the hell did you get this job? But la- <laughs> I heard myself fine. Uh, Kroger's, sent me an email me, Kroger's emailed me back about coming to interview for their... Uh, We're hiring at CVS more than what Kroger he, starts he at. He doesn't want to work with you, though. God, can you imagine? Anyways, I told you that about three weeks ago. <laughs> but Keep it on the air, buddy. Um, Let's talk about what we can talk about on the air. So, what, so you don't do any I, profiling? You're telling me you don't do any profiling? You don't look at people and say, yeah, you can't have it. Do you ever turn anybody away? Yeah, if they don't have their ID or anything, like, I mean, I it would. will pop up in our system. It's 20 we, bucks. If uh, we scan the ID, it automatically tells us, like, it either goes through or it says, like, expired, you know? What if somebody shows up with a passport? What are you going to do? You allow it. You're going to scan the passport and it's going to be okay? You check if it's expired and put the birth date in. So you have to key it in. You can't scan it. Yeah. yeah. It's manual. Um. If you'd been given a Puerto Rican passport or Puerto there's Rican an driver's license, for it. there's even an option on screen for it. So this lady was you select the state blatantly. No, you select driver's license, uh, government issued ID, which is what that'd be. It's like <laughs> it's not hard. <laughs> Just put the damn thing in. If Has this go- lady if- been fired yet? I don't. I don't work there. <laughs> if, you're, if you're gonna profile for somebody possibly I'll, making meth or Puerto Rican people, like your stereotypical people up here, I don't think we. No. Need, I don't think we have people coming out of town to the Midwest to bake their meth. It's I a kid just, with sniffles on campus yeah. who just wants his think, damn Munciax. I don't think he came all the way up to West Lafayette just to get his meth supply so he could take him right. home. I would understand. It's a direct flight from San Juan to West Lafayette, if, everybody. If this was like, if I saw a picture of the Puerto Rican kid. And he's like 
80 pounds and he's got sores all over his face and missing teeth. <laughs> I'd be like, yeah, I'd do everything in my power to tr- to decline exactly. that guy too. He looked like your normal college kid. He did. He looked like in every other college kid and he was everybody's uh, sick. I, because the Zach, I hate to tell you, I'm far from 80 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> so No, that is not the typical college kid. Have you I'm tried, saying that, that have is you tried getting a little meffy right. to slim down Mason? No, hasn't went past my mind. <laughs> but uh, back to what I was saying, you'd think somebody with at least a little bit of common sense working in a pharmacy would be able would know that like that's good to go because when I lived with two guys from Bangladesh my freshman year and all they had was their passport because they didn't have their driver's licenses and so everywhere they went and they bought things they got ID'd with the passport and they were fine to go. Is this the they went into Harry, they, they broke into Harry's with their their passports. Well, they weren't old enough. But <laughs> I they I'm one of the first people to. Say and think if someone is overreacting on like if if something comes out in the news and people jump on a bandwagon and start calling a person in the news racist. I'm like, the, like you did me. I I'm one person. I'm the type of guy that will look into hey, it and look, be like, exactly. Mason has that's black overreacting. Okay? He has a black okay. sister. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so, <laughs> so I'm far from it. <laughs> so it's like I. I would look at a story like that, but this lady at the CVS, I think that's blatantly racist. Yeah, that's exactly what I think. She immediately starts asking about the immigration process, if he has his papers, if his visa has expired. And he's like, I have a U.S. government issued ID, a driver's license. And she's... "Mm -mm." Nope, that's Puerto Rican. I really hope that someday in CVS, all they said somebody is, from Alabama gets turned away for not living in the states. <laughs> Just like you know, something something absolutely no, look, ridiculous. The, the Tom Maine. Segura joke of uh, of Louisiana. That's that's the state that he always <laughs> craps all over. He said, "Build the wall, but build it around Louisiana, Mississippi, Louisiana." You just pick a state: Montana, yeah. Connecticut. I don't know. That is the scary part to somebody's in a position where they have access to like that kind of stuff. And they're making those decisions and they don't know Puerto Rico is, is part it? of the United States. Like that's, <laughs> yeah. that's elementary school stuff. Yeah. Listen, we don't give it to States that are bankrupt. So if you, if you live in Illinois <laughs> or if you're from Puerto Rico, we can't help you. You're, you're, we, we can't trust your motives. But CVS, CVS came out with a statement saying we're going to give training <laughs> to the individual I updating hope, her. I like, hope, well, that's good. I hope you enjoy your corporate training that you have to get. Because somebody can't find. <laughs> are they good? I probably have one right on my module right there saying, Listen, Mason. in all bold, it's These a stars around it. It is a fact of adult life that you will constantly be taking modules on the computer <laughs> in your adult job that are designed for sixth graders. That's how it it is in every job that I've ever had as an adult, and it it never stops. You just hope so, one day the safety briefing is because of what you did. <laughs> <laughs> I just really, I just really hope the next time we go to the CVS, there's just a map of the United States back behind the pharmacy counter. All just, the blue are like the states we allow, and there's just like check marks well, wait, over what? all the states. So legitimately, like, uh, do you have to be an American to buy it, or is it just you have to be old enough? You have to be old enough, right? So it's a Puerto Rican ID, and so if a Canadian, some some Joe Blow from Windsor, Ontario walks Canadians in. Canadians are white, so they probably <laughs> <laughs> Some Joe Blow from Windsor walks in and says, hey, I'd like to buy some Sudafed. You look at it and say, yeah, you're 27 years old. Here's your Sudafed, sir. Have a good day. Is that good enough? I mean, that's what I do. If they're old enough and no warnings pop up or anything, it's like, 
Once hey, you kid. put their info in the system and it clears them, they're old enough. Exactly. That's, that's it. You've done your job. You've done your due diligence. You're not law enforcement. You're a guy who has to go through the step because to government's go worried protocol. about it. You know, we don't want everybody out there making the goods. And- I, I know somebody was a pharmacist, and I know that they have some discretion in making those calls. And sometimes, yeah, like because he would have people that would come in and would complain because they started, and this is more opioid stuff. People come in and they complain they got the wrong pills because their hydrocodone was the kind you can't crush. Yeah, like, I got the wrong ones, and he's like, "Not happening. I'm not going to replace your prescription." I know. Sorry, um, you're getting the but, gel. Yeah, but yeah, but they would. But it was that kind of thing that would cause him to flag something going on was they're coming in and they want a different set of narcotics because they can't abuse the ones that they have appropriately for them. But I just, if I buy too much Sudafed it's because I'm wildly irresponsible and some's in my car and some's in my backpack and some is in my laptop bag and some's in my desk drawer at home. And I want to have it everywhere. I, I bought, That's I, why I would buy too I had much. Like bronchitis for like six weeks. And I went in and I bought like a 12 capsule pack of, of, uh, Mucinex, and then I had to go back because I burned through it pretty quick because I was sick for like a month and a half. And I was like, uh, "Can I get the twenty-four tablet one?" Because I was like, "I don't know what the limit." I'm like, "I'm just it's waiting a for daily limit." I'm like waiting like, for mean, a red flag to go off because I know that some people have gotten caught up because if you've got like teenage kids or something like that, that their their doctors told them to take it, and, and the mom has to much of it. and the mom has to go get it, or you get like the whole family gets sick, then. You have to like rotate who's going to the pharmacy. So I feel like it probably is the responsible thing to do to just go buy as much as you can every time you can <laughs> and then just keep it at home so that you have it in stock for when you need it. You just it bounce expires, around. Though. Yeah, it it expires. I mean, so does milk, but you still drink it. Mm, I, I don't, don't drink milk. Regardless, <laughs> I kind of, I'm kind of the stickler on milk. If it's past the date, it's down the drain. You don't give it the sniff test? No. Give it the sniff test, yeah. You can't really trust the sniff test either, though, because you exactly. get the little dried parts around the ring. So you got to yeah, pour like, it in a cup first and then be like... It's just, it's just a little bit of sour... Nope. Ruin my, my frosted flakes. What if I told you that Sarah served you some old food tonight? What? <laughs> <laughs> How old... How old do you think that... Uh, most expiration dates are BS. Yeah, anyway. most of them are just... How old do you think that that frozen cauliflower was? It was probably like a year old, but it was frozen. <laughs> it was frozen. <laughs> it was frozen. So matter. what's the difference between a you know a little bit of old Sudafed or some frozen, frozen tum- cauliflower? Well, I mean, egg. medicine... I mean, Make your tum-tum hurt. Like, people will straight tell you it's literally just a sell tactic. Like, you have to take it off the shelf. Right. Like, just the you think it's going to go bad? That's the same thing with food. There's like actual like normal. I've had Girl Scout cookies in my house before that were thin mints. Years past their. And you take a bite. And you take like, a bite. And you're like, well, this tastes like a cookie. Like it does. It, there's, it hasn't aged a bit in the last five for, years. It's, it's been in my peanut butter. You, you sit that stuff on the shelf, and it's just there. Collects a little oil, and you just mix it up again. It's and stable. Spread it on your bread. Not Guffy, mayonnaise. is there anything you'll eat that's ridiculously I old? Save mayonnaise. <laughs> ridiculously <laughs> old. Yeah, ridiculously I, old, out of date stuff that's just been on the shelf in the in the pantry. Yeah, like the little, those little baggies of chips. Oh, those like the old, I, like old Doritos. Yeah, like I've run out of chips, and then I'm like, I look up there on the top shelf, and I'm like, mm, those have been there for a minute. <laughs> then you just grab them, you're like, I'm not gonna go bad. Now, there are stale, some, right? there are some things you'll taste, you'll bite into, yeah. and you'll go, oh, pah, oh, hell no. Oh yeah, uh-huh. that's dust now. It's gone. The shadiest thing in our house is shredded cheese. Yeah, because shredded cheese doesn't smell good when it's fresh. And you take a smell, <laughs> and you're like, "Is this just normal bad or bad bad?" 
And it's like, oh, we I don't go through know. too much shredded Sarah, cheese in my yeah. house. Sarah is extremely <laughs> upset right now for the little white lie I told, like Forrest Gump and his mama. Uh, the cauliflower was brand new, and she has a reputation to uphold, and she's very, very, I was gonna say very it was like upset. Herbert Walker Bush era cheese that was in there or something. But um, was, now there is there there are times that uh, we don't use the FIFO first in first out system on cheese, and we do have to if, if it turns color, if the cheese is not the natural yeah. color uh, or the store dyed color, then we will pitch Just it penicillin, right? No, no, it's bread mold. Yeah, I mean, well, uh, listen. If it's if it's a block of cheese, you can just it's moldy naturally. You just cut off what's not needed. Bad, but shredded cheese is a shredded know, shredded the loss. You always go with the block, though. Yeah, it melts better, tastes better. It depends. You just have to put a little bit more work into it. We consume a ridiculous amount of cheese in our house. Yeah. All right. So this has been cheese talk, everybody. I like, um, I, like I like nacho cheese, fake cheese. It doesn't go bad. I, I do yes. wonder what kind of cheese we had in that uh, in that dish. The Rico's but you cheese. haven't publicly thanked my wife yet, Mason, for the meal yep. she made. Today. Oh, you want me publicly, to do it on yes. here? I did the. She, you, like, you sent in a request. I would like to thank Mrs. Sarah Morell for making dinner tonight in the Instapot. It was delicious. I requested some low-key white trash meal um, on, that was on Facebook. And it was like smoked sausage. I'm a really big fan of smoked sausage. Um, there were two two packages of smoked sausage. Delicious. It was like a cheddar for me. I don't know what it exactly kind of was. It was good. There was cheddar cheese. And, there was uh, um, there was uh, shredded cheese. Shredded there was cheese, some Velveeta cheese. Maybe I don't know. Uh, condensed cream of chicken soup. Cream of cream of cheddar soup or something. Something. And then and then cauliflower instead of potatoes. Cream of mushroom. Instead of like a, a potatoes, is she put cauliflower in, and it was really. Good substitution. It's tasty. Got you to eat even your vegetables. Very good. Even though the sausage was spicy. The sausage was a little spicy, you, but I liked it. You, Mr. Whitebread, had to leave the room and get a drink eating eating mild sausage. <laughs> I didn't even think it was that bad. I don't do spicy. I know. I know. <laughs> and he literally had to get up from his chair and go to the other room and get his drink. Speaking of spicy, I it talked to spicy. Darren Jacobs the other day. And he has some. How is uh, Comrade Darren? What's his outlook on the shooting last night? He has night. some Carolina Reapers that he said that he would love to bring on the show. <laughs> I'm ready. Well, we need a guest on Thursday. I'm so ready. Let's, let's I just see. checked off my Darren Jacobs mention. Yeah, we got it. So. We got it in there <laughs> at the last <laughs> minute. <laughs> Comrade Jacobs, uh, hello. Hope you uh, hope you're enjoying watching on your wife's account because you're too chicken shit to have your own Facebook anymore. <laughs> I'll start final thoughts with this. Darren has really helped me out as I have gone through the process of trying to register a business to the state of Indiana and trying to figure out legal red tape of what I can and cannot do as a residential handyman in the county and things. I've called him with multiple questions, multiple different times, and he has, walked, he has walked me through all of it. He's been super helpful, uh, and I cannot thank him enough for everything that he's all, everything that he's done as far as answering me questions. He's still a socialist. But he's, <laughs> he's done a good so job. Do you sneak in a question about chickens every like fourth question? <laughs> I no, it's it's strictly business. Just, I really <laughs> chickens gave, are business. I gave a number of city councilmen the business over chickens uh, at the polls uh, this this yeah. last it week. Is, it is something I don't understand. You heard what Mark? the problem is. You heard Mark? Yeah, he was very week. matter of he fact about adamant. it. But that was that's my final thoughts. I want to say thank you to Darren for all of his question answering and for always answering my phone calls whenever I call him and not just ignoring me. You never call me. Let's uh, let's talk to our boy Chris. Final thoughts. 
You gonna? You, are you looking forward to spending more time with your family uh, in your retirement? I don't. Post-election? I don't really have time. I still stay busy. Like even even though I felt like shit for losing the election, I had a meeting the next day. So <laughs> you got to stay involved. That's the only way you can keep. The, the, the sun came up. You were answering your correspondence. You didn't crawl into a hole. You're still here. No, I did apologize to some people because I felt like I was a little short with them. Um, just saying if, thank you. If that was angry, Chris, I don't know. I, I, I you, you haven't met angry Jer. <laughs> yeah. that was, that was, I'm much worse than you. It wasn't, I wasn't angry. It was just, I was short in responses to people. So I did apologize to those, but, uh, two things on the final notes for me. Um, one, I would like to publicly thank everybody that did support me and everybody that did come out and walk and do all that stuff. And anybody, you know, I had to ask questions and man, did I ask a lot of questions to people and they, they're always kind enough to respond and give me some advice and tell me where I can go and do better and everything like that. So I'd like to applaud them. Thank you. Every, thank you guys. And then, um, number two is a guy I graduated with is kind of doing what you're, what, um, the guy in the van did. He, he, he packed up. He's in his car. I was going to do it. I was going to. (laughs) Well, no, he's, so he's in his car. He's got a, he put solar on top of his like car. Bruno, uh, yeah, yeah. Like Bruno did back. Jordan Bruno back in the day. Yeah, living in his van, but yeah. he's Down he's living in river. his car and he's driving all across the uh, the, the country and he's just ex- explaining and just following him on Instagram. It's pretty cool. And then also uh, on that note, everybody should go and watch the documentary called Chasing Bubbles. I don't know if you guys have ever seen this. It's about a 25 year old kid from Indiana. He was uh, working up at Chicago, the Board of Trade. He was living there, and he decided he wasn't happy. Drove down to Florida, bought a boat, learned how to sell it, and he sailed across all around the world. So that is uh, one of those back burner ideas. There's a guy named Wade Cunningham who uh, Zach will know. Yes, I know who's Wade now Cunningham. who's now a realtor in Indianapolis, but uh, he's a former Indianapolis 500 starter. And he spent about a year living on a boat, just kind of s- just wandering the world with him and his girl and his cat and uh, kind of have him on the list of, of possible future uh, future guests. His Instagram feed's gotten really interesting since he turned into a realtor. Yes. He's an interesting. He's an interesting guy. It's not even like a normal cat. He has a Savannah. So it's this yeah. huge cat. He had it when he was at the track and he sent a picture of his motorhome and his cat takes up the whole front of the motorhome laying across the dash. So yeah, Wade, Wade Cunningham. And one of his business partners is actually a, uh, a family friend as well. So, um, yeah, one of these days he's on my, he's on my list of the, I don't know exactly when we'll invite him on and if he'll entertain us, but, uh, that's one of those, uh, one of those out there, one of those, those free spirits, uh, final update from you, Chris. I know that this show, we have an affinity around here Mm -hmm. and a lot of the fans do for the West wing. There's some uh, West Wing literature up on the walls and some, uh, you know, the Bartlett for America poster. Yep. You, uh, we got you started. There were some references a few weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, and you started. How far in are you? Oh, um, I'm about to finish season two. So almost to finish season two. Yeah. What's going on in the show? Uh, so I don't want to tell anybody because they're not spoilers. The show that those yeah. air shows aired 15 years ago. So um, it's probably <laughs> safe. Bartlett just told Toby about his MS. Oh. So, and Toby is pissed. (laughs) So we'll see what happens. All right. Well, Toby is holier than thou. Enjoy. Mason, you have anything you're worried about getting fired now? No, 
No, <laughs> no I'm not worried about it. Do you um, really enjoy that job? I really do. I work with a lot of great people. You think you have a far- future in pharmacy? I hope. <laughs> Are you Dr. Mason yet? You've been going to that school for a while now. When do we have to, like, when do we have to call you Dr. Mason? Never, never. Is that not a real thing? You can call me Mason. But I mean, eventually you will have, you will be Dr. Mason. Only legally, right? I don't even know if that's like the right term. I'll have it's a, not like a doctorate of pharmacy. Doctor, doctor of pharmacy. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, like when you fill out the, the forms, are you, I mean, I'm kind of. I don't even know. I'm barely. Well, I would farm go tech, so. I would do Doctor Jeremiah Morrell if I could. Okay, I so when would. when I get so I'd be like, Dakota? it's a uh, Doctor Davis, please. Yeah. So, I didn't spend five years in Doctor of Pharmacy School. Thank you very much to be called Mister. So when I order my Amazon package, yeah, I really think you should change it to be Doctor. I'm yeah. just saying it would be. I would do it. Um, you think I'll get more pl- Davis party of two? That's Doctor Davis, Doctor Rotting House. Doctor, is there a doctor in the house? He's a doctor of pharmacy. He's not real. Damn, doctor. <laughs> um, I do. I really like my don't favorite know. comment. Is there a doctor in the house? I am. Okay, we need to start CPR immediately. I'm a doctor of philosophy. This man's going to die. We all are. <laughs> <laughs> um, I really, I no. Uh, my final thoughts. Uh, okay, again, um, again. There's only one person who sent me a care package, and it was Andrew Bowman. Christy didn't send you a care package. No, you call it. I'm calling Christy out right now. What did Andrew send you? Andrew sent me. Sent you popcorn, I think this right? is originally in the Patreon, so re- I guess we're pulling it out of there. I remember uh, when you were you were going back to school and you were so optimistic I, and you I, sent us an update and we played it on the show and there have oh, been well, zero just about updates all since. That. I'll, I'll update you real quick in my final thoughts. Um, still single, still still pharmacy major. Quit that working out crap because it sucks. Um, Modern Warfare came out so you know I've been grinding it. <laughs> else I know. Um, and... Um, that's, that's, that's about it. But how is the dating life on campus? Are you meeting some young ladies that are looking for their MRS degree? No, nothing. I, I don't, I don't, I suck. Still same address. Absolutely. Uh, but no, I, I've no, just nothing single. I I go to class, go to wherever I need to go, any meetings and I'm in my room. That's it. Yeah. I like to sleep and I, and you like to tweet and tweet. And Are you in the warfare. dorms there? Paige. Yeah, I, mean, I live on my own. It's nice. Hey, Mason. Mason. What? So, I might, my girlfriend has a <gasps> single friend. Oh, it's a girlfriend? It's a girlfriend now? What's her profession? We're using those terms? Which one? So she has two single friends. No, I'm saying, were you talking? <laughs> <laughs> He's already triaging the, the all of the women that are possible. Uh, which one makes more money? If the pharmacy thing doesn't work. I mean, out, you'd I, be wouldn't, an I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind being. She just sent me a message and she's like, "Did you talk to Mason about?" I was like, "No, but I can right now." You're lying <laughs> right now. <laughs> You're literally lying. Um. Anyways, no. Another thing. I need God, to he turned my- so red. He has turned pure. I mean, pure think about the lowest standards you got from Guffy because Guffy goes to Guffy goes to hockey games instead of hangs out with his girlfriend on her birthday. So, well, if that's the case, you need, do you have two season tickets? Yeah, like me and my best friend. So, 
I've, so I've been to one game going, with him. I go, when she's not going. <laughs> oh, is that Rin or whatever? Kylo Rin? Is that Trin. Trin? Yeah. Uh, so when she doesn't go, do I get to go next one? I think you might have to fight Paige for it, but. She's sick. You're like seventh <laughs> on the list. Anyways, yeah, no, list. Um, final thoughts. Chris Guffey and I are buying the lawn pass to Ruoff Home Mortgage Center next year. Deer Creek. Clips, Deer Clips. Creek, Verizon Wireless. Of all the, we the are. girls versus the cat memes, the Deer Creek versus Clips one is my absolute <laughs> favorite that I've seen so far this year, by the way. Oh, back to Mason's good. long Mason, and by the way, boring story. The, uh, yes. the the longest final thoughts we've ever had on this show. Well, I, I have. Something. She's an accountant. She's an accountant. So God, she That's sounds excited. Bad. I'm trying to think of what I was going to say. I had something and it was good. And you guys just won't shut the hell up. What and, was Andrew it? sent you popcorn. You lost it. Zach, do you have any final thoughts for us tonight? It's, I'm coming back for it. Hold on. What was it? Uh, not really. Uh, I'll, I know he's a big fan of it. You know, Veterans Day is on Monday, so thank you, Chris Guffey, for your service. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it just did. <laughs> but not really. Kind of looking forward to seeing how things turn out for the 2020 and beyond Indy 500. And um, you got people, an early winner, Hinch. Is it going to be Hinch? Yeah, yeah. We even get into that. That's a whole different story. Um, yeah, that would be great, but. If he can, poor guy can find a ride. I almost wore a Hinch shirt just to solidarity for the poor guy. He's on his honeymoon, though. He's not doing too bad. But otherwise, just we were talking a bit, and I think even Patreon or people are jumping up to not knowing what elections. Pay attention to what's going on in your hometowns, everybody. It's not a big deal. And, it's not that hard even, to show up at every know, city council you know, meeting for a year and a half. No, it's truly it's not. An hour and a, it's an hour and a half twice a week. An hour and a half? If, if, if that's it, they're stretching. This year, this weekend, <laughs> yeah. they were almost done like, what, 40 45 minutes? minutes yeah. yeah, the official meeting was done. And you get, and you, Kind of know what's going on in the town, and then you know when elections are happening, and it's and, also and just you make the mayor nervous. Yeah, you make a lot of people nervous. Yeah, you, you don't do. tell them where you live, <laughs> and they don't know who's ward and what your what are your intentions here. Um, it's might be, just interesting might to know what's though, going on. Years. And you get to meet people, and the you know, Guffey's involved in like the downtown and the Memorial Park and all that other stuff. So you get to kind of figure out what's going on. You get to meet a lot of times. A lot of people kind of hate their local government because they don't know anybody in their local government. If you meet some of the people that are involved, you figure out there's a lot of good. Like the Aaron Dickens of the world that are I had so working much. real hard. True. Hold on, it's, he's Aaron Dickens. You can't sometimes he's just lazy. He won't go to the stop sign. He puts mountains in Newcastle. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. That's mountains. Mike Burles just told me the park board meeting was twenty two minutes long. I, I truly, but, if you if you guys want to get involved with your local politics, just spend a day volunteering for a campaign. And go shoot the shit with people standing outside the camp, the, the headquarters. I had so much fun talking to candidates, talking to city councilmen, and just literally abusing them for twelve hours. It was it was the greatest time. Um, it, it it is it's worth. It, you can call them corrupt. You can it, they all know it's fun, um, but you can you can just just give them hell the entire time and actually develop relationships just by and, spending. And, and almost them. all of them can take it, and they like, can. They, they can they're, they're, or they're not or they'll like, quit. <laughs> yeah. yeah like most of them aren't like super serious like you know they have to have a sense of humor and you know because there's a lot of bs involved with dealing I'm, with people zach i'm standing there with three of the elected city councilmen candidates leave they're walking or the the, the voters walk out and i just deadpan look at them say throw the bums out <laughs> and, and and they're all the candidates are the incumbents are sitting there looking at you just laughing and smirking it's just the 
It's the greatest thing ever. Where else can you do that? And all of the elected officials are standing at the polling place enjoying the show. As you just, you know. Are you saying I should challenge a current um, member that we talked about earlier in my town next year? Well, next election. I Darren doesn't have to run for re-election. It's, uh, it's, it's implied. It's implied. But if you want a future political career, we can Jason uh, talk, Marshall, to, talk do to you remember Dakota. Him from our yeah, he career? might take it. <laughs> he ran against him. Did he? I did not even know that. For precinct committee men. Yeah. I didn't even know. That Duffy wasn't joking, though. If you just show up to meetings. That's all it takes. And you don't, you don't say anything. Just sit just, there. Just sit there. That's all I do. I don't really talk at meetings. Um, I never officially like, stood up and spoke as a citizen. They get real curious about where you live because they want to <laughs> whose ward you're in. And then they're like, so what are you doing here? What are you doing here? What are you doing here? And they. You just walk out. And it makes them really. Yeah, I get up at the end of a meeting. Once in a while, I'll say something to Guffy or I'll say something. I know, I know most of the city councilmen in some form or fashion. I might say hi to them on the way out, but I just walk out when I'm done and just go home. And they're all just biting at your tail trying to get you? Uh, I mean, I'm like, they'll come up to you at the beginning of the meeting. and or what, do you, what, what do you worry about? What do you want to talk about today? Or what in the grocery about? store. Or, and they'll be like, so what are you, gonna, what are you thinking? And. Um, and most of them are real friendly and some of them, you know, but they do ultimately want to know if you're going to run against them. <laughs> I mean, that's what they're scared of. Um, but even then like, I, I bump into people and you'll, you get to know the people and if they trust you, you can ask them like, what's going on with this? And you, you they'll tell you what's show. going on. You can't on. just say the grocery store. You got to be specific. Kroger. There we go. Best chocolate milk on earth. Oh, Dakota, yeah. do you have any more final thoughts or was that it? You good? Uh, <laughs> that was the biggest exhaust exhale ever. I think I'm good. I had something else. I got something I think else. Mason, did you remember? Yeah, that's what it was. Part two. Um, this last week, I did actually run for something unopposed, <laughs> but I am now the secretary of my residence hall. Ooh. And on and on Earhart Hall, the the no, girls' dorm, First Street Towers, and it's, Earhart's not all girls. That's Meredith, where they don't know how to cook. Um, First Street Tower sounds so bougie. It's it the is. Name of a residence hall. It's air conditioned. Free laundry. Live on my own. It's nice. Most expensive. It is the most expensive <laughs> on the residence hall. But on my my got that slide that I put money. up when I ran, I put pre pharmacy club member on the social committee last year. BPA currently post secondary national virtual chapter. Former vice president of communication. Then I put. The Boss Hog of Liberty podcast <laughs> intern slash co-host. <laughs> and it was On put up. resume. It was put up in front of everybody that voted. That is awesome. Nice. So. We, we appreciate your dedication to the cause. Only Saying three... that you're an intern here makes it sound like we have a, like a big production. <laughs> well, <laughs> when uh, our RA put on the board, what's your favorite podcast? I put The Boss Hog of Liberty. I, I remember like, that. Yeah, I didn't know. It, it, it makes it sound like we are like a big thing that we, we are a big we, deal. Oh, we have an intern. <laughs> Here's the thing, Mason. When when I'm invited to your wedding and I get to give a speech, whenever you find the right young lady or fellow, whatever, I will refer to you as intern Mason. At the bris of your first son, it, I will, I will refer to you as intern Mason. Refer to me as doctor. At well, doctor intern Mason. <laughs> It, no matter what the what the occasion is, it'll be twenty five years. The from title now, will stick at the at your firstborn son's graduation, and when he wins the tri high tennis Price. tennis championship, or when you're sworn in as as Vice Southern President District Commissioner someday, or state representative, it'll be intern Doctor Mason Roddinghouse, 
state representative. All of those things. But intern is always going to be there. It's, it's, it's once he gives you a title. I inst- coached Sean Rouse's son's soccer team. Every time I saw him, I had to refrain from saying, oh, there's Liberty Defender Sean Rouse. <laughs> every, every time I see him, and I don't think he knew who I was at first. I had to tell him, I was like, every time I see him, I always go, look, there's Liberty Defender Sean Rouse. just sitting there on the soccer field. So, yeah, that title's just stuck in my head. and like It rolls off the tongue for him. Yeah, well, and then your wife's the lovely Sarah Potter. Like, I can stop to remember to change the last name. And, like, that's just... There's a cast of characters that we've built over the last 137 episodes. And if you're a faithful lips- listener, you've probably made it to this point in the show now. Um, so, thank you guys very much. Uh, final thoughts for me, really quickly. Uh, I obviously have been a big fan of comedy for a very long time. Season two of the Conan O'Brien podcast is uh, is out. I uh, listened to uh, to a couple episodes today. Uh, David Letterman is on there, indie car co owner with uh, Ray, uh, Mike Lanigan and uh, Bobby Ray Hall. Uh, and Dave did tell a little bit of an indie car story. I think he got some of his facts messed up. I what think team he is thinks that? Uh, he on the uh, Takuma Sato team and the Graham Ray Hall. Ray Hall Letterman Lanigan uh, RLL. Uh, but he did talk about winning the uh, winning the Indy 500 a little bit, and he talked about this German guy who's kind of a paraplegic who got hurt at Pocono. Didn't get all the facts straight, but he did talk a little bit on there about the uh, about uh, Robert Wickens. He came from German touring car <laughs> racing, yes, but he's Canadian, yes. Um, so that was uh, that was uh, that was on there a little bit, and just a really fun, easy to listen to podcast. Also, listen to the John Oliver episode and. Uh, just really fun. If you're looking for a fun, uh, fun, easy to listen to podcast, check I'll, out that Conan one. I also need to thank Cade Coger because he let me ride in his combine. You did. Oh, you yeah. did some with drone work. You yeah. went over to, to my father-in-law's place. You didn't post any of those pictures. Oh, well, I didn't know but, if you wanted me to post pictures of your in-laws' neighborhood. I'll post them. Oh, those are safe. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah the, the, the next day I was like, I knew Cade was out in the farm or out harvesting. So I was like, can I chase your combine with a drone? So I chased him around a little bit. And then we went back and he was eating dinner. And so I had my son with me, six year old. I was like, "You want to go over there and look at the combine?" And I talked him into it, and then I think Cade saw the kid and was like, "Oh, you want it for riding? Uh, combines are cool, even if you're a thirty seven year old man. It's kind of cool <laughs> yeah. to ride around in a combine." So you're sweet, good Cade serve you ha- dinner. Happy birthday, by the way, to uh, to to both the Bertram boys. Yeah, just uh, just it turned thirty seven. It was cold on my birthday. It was snowing on Halloween, so we just turned thirty seven. Yeah, yeah, not forty-seven. <laughs> Guffy with no e. You'll earn the e eventually. Huh, I'm shocked. He, uh, Chris, Chris didn't even know that I showed that post to him. I wishing you a happy birthday. Yeah, on yeah. Facebook, he he got a kick out of that. Thirty-seven. Well, not after forty-six. Yeah, Sarah says it's totally fine to dox your parents. With that, I've done it. I get to. <laughs> Some of you guys are really good at doxing. Uh, <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Hey, we don't point moving, fingers. Moving on. I'm a racist uh, and doc. We will do our show on Thursday. Dodged a bullet. Almost had to uh, be out of state next week, but uh, same time, same place. We'll see you all next week. Thank you for listening to the Boss Hog of Liberty, which is part of the We Are Libertarians network. I am Chris Spangle, and I am the founder of this network. And I invite you to listen to all of our shows, which you can find at wearelibertarians.com or by searching for these in your podcatcher. The flagship show is the We Are Libertarians podcast, where we apply libertarian principles to current events. The Brian Nichols Show is a conversation amongst Republicans, Democrats, Libertarians, Independents, as they talk about what is happening in the news 
News, and we have many other podcasts like The Chris Spangle Show, Upward, The Cost, Raw Audio Politics, Miranda's World, and Tad Talk which is quite a ride. So check all of these out. Go to WeAreLibertarians.com and you can check out all of our great podcasts. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the We Are Libertarians Network. Get our other shows at WeAreLibertarians.com.